Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snack Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. It started with a 75-yard catch and run by Trent Sherfield, but it was all downhill from there. Welcome into Finsider Radio. This is the Jake and Josh Show, and it is Monday where we are going to recap everything that happened from Miami's bitter, bitter 33-17 loss to the San Francisco 49ers. And I can't be bitter by myself. It's only it's only proper if we're going to get this full bitterness this holiday season. I bring in the one and only King of Dolphins Twitter, Joshua Houts. Josh? How bitter are you? I'm pretty bitter, man. I'm sitting here drinking uh, black coffee, so that's kind of that bitter taste that's in (laughs) my mouth right now. But, I mean, dude, you're right. After that 75-yard completion of Trent Sherfield, I mean, you had to feel pretty confident and excited about where the game was going to go. But, um, you know, as we'll get into, it didn't end up the way we expected. Um, And this is our first time, I think, coming on and recording on a Monday, Jake, that isn't a victory Monday. I think we used to skip Mondays um, whenever we wouldn't win. So uh, we're back, and we're going to get through this together. How have you been today, man? Howdy Mondays. I like I like not recording on a pouty Monday, but instead here we are. Uh, what a weird game, Josh. And I've been kind of trying to think of how I want to describe this. I mean, yesterday was the first time all season that I threw my hat. Oh no, that's that's super dramatic. But that's about as high of like annoying I'll get instead of uh, just tweeting a bunch of things. Because Josh, overall, this felt like a game that was like straight out of like the two thousand and fourteen or the two thousand and like. 18 Miami Dolphins because it wasn't just one thing that went wrong it wasn't just one thing you saw go well but there were just some very weird um consistencies throughout this game that the Dolphins just could not shake whether it was the inability to run the football whether it was untimely uh flags whether it's turning the ball over Josh it just seemed like this game had everything for the Dolphins to keep taking those two steps back every time they tried to go forwards yeah, they always say when it rains, it pours. And this definitely felt like, you know, kind of a roller coaster ride. I mean, like you mentioned, the first play out of the gate, they scored a touchdown. And then from there, it was all downhill, you know, to a tongue of Aloha. For as much as we, you know, credit him with how well he's played this year, you know, we all threw out the stats about how they haven't lost a game, you know, when he started and finished. Um, you know, for all the MVP chatter, we got to admit, I mean, he just seemed off in this game. And when your quarterback's missing those throws that he normally makes, I mean, you can't find ways to overcome it. And I think a lot of it does go back to our podcast before, you know, we previewed it, Jake. Those lines linebackers taking up the middle of the field those safeties the way they linger I mean he was trying to accommodate I think for them at times and we even saw Fred Warner get a nice pass breakup in there so uh two was definitely off I don't think that anyone should be you know scared to say it I mean you have to be able to admit when he's good and have to be able to admit when he played 
poorly and he did play poorly in this one but um for some reason man this just felt a little bit differently because even late in that game i mean i still felt like okay two has got the ball i mean it's a seven point game um this is the time when Tua steps up and i thought we were gonna see one of those dramatic you know fourth quarter comebacks but it all was stopped short um but yeah two was definitely off in this one and that's kind of the thing everyone wants to make these complete sweeping statements whether he's not the guy or um josh what i really felt like is for everyone who has kids you might want to skip this part mute this part but man there's there's all these sweeping statements about this team, whether it's, uh, you know, Tua's not the guy or you're treating it like Santa Claus where you have to make out this huge list of why I still believe when it, generally speaking, man, it was just a bad game. Those things happen. You flew all the way to the West Coast from Miami. You didn't have either of your tackles. You're facing Kyle Shanahan. Uh, th- there was a lot of things happening here, and I'm going to do my darnest to not make any excuses while still um, acknowledging that, hey, I don't think we should be super panicking about this team just yet. Josh, were you a big fan of science class growing up? Not at all. <laughs> not not at really. All. I like exploding things, I guess, uh, you know, when they did the volcanoes and things like that. But no, not a science guy. So you weren't in on that whole, you know, the build the bridge with popsicle sticks thing. That wasn't your type of. Uh, yeah, I, I don't think I was very good at it, but I know I had to do it for sure. Yeah, so basically what would happen is you'd see someone make this uh, elaborate bridge and you go, hell yeah, I can do that. Like that, that, it's not simple, but I see the vision. That was the Trent Sherfield touchdown. That was it. You saw what was happening. You're like, yeah, I can build this bridge. But the more and more weight that we started to put on these popsicles, man, this thing absolutely just bottomed out. The Dolphins were out yardaged by Brock Purdy, whatever a Brock Purdy is, uh, 351 to 308. They held the ball for 40 minutes compared to Miami's 19. Miami had twice as many penalties as San Francisco. Uh, Josh, they only ran the ball eight times. I mean, you just keep stacking up this weight, and you can tell exactly why this bridge just collapsed all over itself, and there's hot glue all over your lap. Yeah, and I don't even know how much of it's, you know, that they weren't even able to run the football. It's just how much they just completely abandoned it. And I joked, uh, you know, it does feel like you were playing your kids in Madden or, you know, your friends in Madden where you're going for it on fourth and one from your 019 yard line. I mean, the way he was out there uh, treating this game at times, I mean, Mike McDaniel admitted at the end of this, you know, he needs to be better and the players do as well. So I think one thing looking at this, Jake, is I thought at least from, you know, my perspective was the offensive line might struggle without Teron Armstead out there. We were Brandon Shell would start. We know Greg Little. I mean, I felt a little uneasy there, but I mean, Nick Bosa had what three sacks, you know, he was that game changer, but I didn't feel at any time, you know, that that offensive line couldn't give two of the time. And that, you know, again, that two wasn't able to set his feet or, you know, that defense was just that good. I mean, there was the number one ranked defense. I mean, we saw the playmakers that they had, but I felt at least in my honest opinion, that the dolphins kind of shot themselves in the foot. And that's kind of the way I'm looking at this. I mean, I don't know if it was just me going spin zone at the end of that last pod, but I kind of started to realize, you know, if they need to lose this game to win the next two, I mean, by all means, you know, let's throw this one out there, humble the dolphins now and hope that they can regain uh, their focus. Cause I mean, let's be honest, we can sit here and say, it's not that big of a deal right now. You know, we're eight and four, we're feeling very good, but um, you know, if something were to happen next Sunday against the chargers, man, I know that I would personally be chicken little all over Twitter if we felt eight and five. So um, I'm excited to see the way this team balances back. But again, I think it was more of the Dolphins shooting themselves in the foot than maybe it was, you know, the San Francisco 49ers beating the Dolphins. But uh, controlling the clock that big, Jake, I mean, a lot of people want to point their fingers at the defense. But what can you do when you're on the field for 40 minutes against those skill players, regardless of who's that quarterback? Right. And that's kind of the big theme here, right? You wonder if the offense could have held the ball a little bit more. Maybe the defense would have played a little, a little better. Josh, the one stat that is absolutely bananas to me is that the dolphins went over seven on third down 
This includes two third and one plays. This includes another third and two play. I just feel like the Dolphins just continuously stopped themselves. And and you mentioned the tackles and, you know, there were some plays where Bosa was absolutely the dominant player and nothing is more frustrating than seeing that, that smirk he does after a little sack, but that's obviously and the little shrug. Yeah. That's why he does it though. And you're just getting got and, and, you know, but I would love that if it was on my team, let's all be completely honest here. But Josh, I do wonder if there's something here to the idea of, uh, you know, the whole spiel was, you know, Tua's accuracy wasn't just there. I mean, he had time, but you just have to wonder if he was maybe just hearing footsteps a little bit. I think this was the first game he went out there without Teron Armstead, right? You think about the two games he missed earlier in the season. Um, Tua, I don't think played in either of those. So this is a situation where I do wonder if maybe he was hearing footsteps a little bit. Maybe he was thinking more than he was seeing maybe a little bit. And that's where these um, issues started to come from because Josh, there were some really, really frustrating drives. Um, One I want to start with tied at 10, about nine minutes left in the second quarter there. It was just straight up three plays. Missed to Waddle, missed to Wilson. The miss to Wilson was absolutely frustrating because you just need someone just a little bit too much. And then you see all the tweets about, Hey, like why didn't Wilson catch this? But you you see how things were just out of rhythm, whether it was a two yard completion or an incomplete. I don't think that really changes the point we're trying to make here. And then the drive ends with a, just a missed to river Craycraft. So man, that to me, what did you see? I mean, as someone who records all these plays four times over and views them in different ways, what did you see at this offense? Because I, I just feel like Tua might have been hearing footsteps that they were there at times, but I think other times they weren't there. And you can't blame them for getting the crab kicked out of them for so many years. But you do kind of wonder, like, where's where's that little bit of faith? Yeah, and I mean, again, we know how quickly Tua gets the ball out. I mean, I'm sure they prepared him all week. You know, that pass rush is going to be breathing down your throat. Get the ball out fast, but make sure, you know, you watch those linebackers, you know, those guys that get their hands up. So um, I think, again, it goes back to what Mike uh, McDaniel said about how this being a playoff atmosphere. I mean, we can't overlook how this, again, is an NSC, you know, potential playoff contender. But to me, it just seemed like, you know, whether it was just Tua trying to overcompensate, maybe, you know, take the game over for Mike McDaniel because he knew the importance of it. I heard people spin zoning that on Twitter. I mean, Either way, he was off in this playoff type game where, again, he traveled West Coast, whatever you want to you know, put, point your finger at. I mean, to even mention, you know, there were miscommunication errors. We saw it. The timing was off. You know, Jeff Wilson at one point wasn't even in the right spot. That led to an interception. And like you mentioned in the replies, people were blaming Tua for that miss to Jeff Wilson down the sideline. People are wondering why Jeff Wilson, uh, you know, went up to try to make that catch. Whatever it is, I mean, it was a wide open receiver that Tua normally, you know, puts that ball right in the bucket. And we saw him miss too many of those plays. So, again, I don't want to discredit too much from um, what the 49ers did because that is, again, an elite defense. But I think, you know, the Dolphins from the very beginning, Beginning. besides that Trent Shurfield play they were just off and we can go back to the run game Jake I mean one of the first things you learn is you know you stay honest with the run game and only carry letting most carry the ball seven times for 30 yards only giving Jeff Wilson one carry you know after the what he's done since he came here you know what this game just meant to him I mean maybe he was in the doghouse after that drop you know maybe after he stumbled on that interception but um I don't know why Mike McDaniel abandoned the run and maybe it's just because you know they were loading the box because he knew how good that defense was I don't know but um I think again Dolphins shot the themselves in the foot and we just got to pray they bounce back if you look up shot yourself in the foot in the dictionary josh this is probably the picture you'd see um about 11 minutes left in the third quarter miami was down 70 to 10 and he hits tyree kill for a 19 yard reception i think tyreek actually made a really nice uh what turning around um he turned around to make the catch on what it seemed like almost like a wheel route i think i'm thinking of the right play here where he almost dropped it but he completed the catch and went out of bounds Uh, Then there was a false start right after that 19 yard completion. 
I'm getting in front of my, myself, Josh, because the 19-yard completion included a roughing the passer. So the Dolphins were feeling really good. Obviously, um, you know, you're trailing early in the second half. This, I thought, was really that palate cleanser drive that the Dolphins needed. It's like, all right, here comes Baltimore second half, Tua. We, we've been hearing since he came into the league that Tua, you know, in the fourth quarter is like the perfect quarterback, yada, yada. And you thought this was kind of that turning the page moment. You make that completion to Tyree Kill, who saves his quarterback, who had another throw that was a little off, but hey, one thing we spoke about in our preview show time and time again is you trust your great elite playmakers in these situations. And you kind of saw that with Tyree kill all game. He was an absolute baller. So you get about 35 yards or so on a roughing the passer and the completion of Tyree kill. You're feeling good. And then all of a sudden, man, false start. All right, that's fine. It happens. You have a bunch of new starting linemen, Robert, or um, it was uh Robert Jones with the penalty. All right. He started two weeks. We can, we can, we can build past that. Next play, Raheem Moster, 18-yard run, and then it gets called back on a Robert Hunt hold. This one was frustrating, Josh, but you could see the hold. It was there, and it just kind of, you started to pull your hair out. Then on first and 25, Josh, he he tries to dump it off to Jeff, Jeff Wilson over the middle. Um, that, too, I thought was weird because where Tua was throwing, it'd be right where Jeff Wilson um, was starting his break, not where necessarily where he was going out of his break again. You don't know where these these balls are supposed to go. You don't know where these players are supposed to be. So we can't really say one thing or another. But Jeff Wilson falls. Ball goes to Jimmy Ward. And that man was a, a big, big dagger. So that drive right there just kind of, to me, told me, all right, this looks like the 2018 Miami Dolphins here. Let's just get out of here. This is this is kind of scary. Yeah, at that point, it felt like Madden. I mean, we've all played Madden where it just feels like everything's going against you. And there, no matter what happens, you know, the computer's going to find a way to win. I mean, I love that you brought up uh, Tyreek Hill. We kind of talked about in the last podcast. I mean, he had nine catches for 146 yards and a touchdown. But um, I mean, was it a quiet day from him? Tyreek Hill has been an absolute baller since he's got here. So, um, you know, that pass you mentioned, he came out of the backfield. Tua stuck it right to his back sh shoulder. I mean, he ended up getting the first down. And at that point, we all felt super stoked. But um, I think the you know, the knife being wrenched into your heart was had to be that Robert Hunt hold, right? I mean, the Dolphins were absolutely moving. Um, we felt good after that. I mean, that was a ticky-tack play. I mean, we saw the hold if you slow it down, but I mean, I think they probably let worse go, right, in some of these games. So um, that could have went either way, but then that Jeff Wilson one, I mean, I think the announcer said, you know, he might have misread the coverage, whether it was zone or man, he might have, you know, curled back around or whatever, whatever it was there. The timing was off. Jimmy, uh, Jeff Wilson just fell to the ground and that interception. I mean, that again was probably the dagger. So um, at that point, Jake, you know, getting the ball back 11, 12, left in third down 17, 10 driving, you felt good. And then just, you know, look, with a snap of your fingers, it all just went downhill, but definitely I'll tip your hat to Tyree kill. Cause again, a monster game, 146 yards. He has, a, he needs 11 yards to break Mark Clayton's uh, single season receiving record, which I yeah, yeah, he, he might, but uh, that's just crazy, man. Best uh, acquisition trade the Dolphins have ever made, I think, Jake. Oh, that goes without being said. And Josh, just to make matters worse, uh, that drive uh, ends with the Jimmy Ward interception. San Fran gets a field goal. Dolphins then get the ball back about eight minutes later with three minutes left in the third. They're down 20 to 10. It's a one-play drive. You see Tua go out there. He even looks so ready. He's like, all right, this is going to be the drive. I, I really, you know, sharpen up. First play, they roll him out to the left. Something Tua, you go back to his college. You go back to his high school days. This is something this quarterback has always been so great at. He's rolling out to his left. Tyreek Hill wide open. It's like the perfect uh, just rollout play that you'll see on any high school field on any day in September. And, man, he just throws it behind him. Tyreek tries to get a hand on it, tips it, and the ball's intercepted again. And that just 
it doesn't take much for an entire game plan to be off. And I think that play right there kind of just goes to show that everything was off. Maybe the game plan didn't incorporate uh, adjustments for time zone changes or what, but man, that was a, that play right there is when I took my hat and threw it on the ground, 20 to 10, you throw that ball to Tyreek wide open, goes over uh, on intercepted again. I think that's two straight plays with an interception to Tua for from Tua. And it was just kind of uh things just couldn't get better at that point. Yeah, I mean, I don't even know what you want me to say to that. That's a throw that he makes, you know, <laughs> in, in his sleep, right? I mean, you can blindfold him, have him roll out and do that same thing, but he just sailed that ball. And at that point, you were right, Jake. I mean, again, when it rains, it pours, and it was all downhill from there. I guess the one question I have, Jake, or that you have written down here is, where was Jalen Waddle throughout all this? And I mean, I may ignorantly said, you know, if the Dolphins lost two of that, would be devastating. This offense, Teron Armstead might be second. I, you know, said this receiving core might be able to get by with just one Tyree killer, Jalen Waddle. But I mean, we definitely saw him not being the same explosive team when Jalen Waddle wasn't out there. So um, I don't know that it, I think I looked it up. He left the game in the second with a hamstring injury. He did return, but then he hobbled off late in the game. Correct. So um, I, I don't know what the issue is with Jalen Waddle. Hopefully he gets uh, himself right because one reception, nine yards on five targets. I mean, this was so frustrating, man, because Waddle was wide open. And this is where I kind of want to get your thoughts on what you saw out of Miami's offense, because early on, you know, everybody going into the week, and, and we spoke about it in our preview show, the whole, I'm going to call it nerd Dolphins Twitter, or nerd Twitter. I mean, it was Fred Warner in the middle of that San Fran defense versus Tua. To me, man, I mean, the, the middle of that defense was still open, and I think they were still attacking near Fred Warner. They were attacking near those linebackers, and, and it's, I don't know if, uh, Tua was just overshooting it just a little bit, but it just seemed like those pockets were there. Waddle was in them, and it's like he needed to be either a foot taller or three yards farther downfield to keep up with the way Tua was throwing it. So, Josh, how did you feel about that with that attack? Because um, clearly, you know, Waddle, he's going out for every single ball. Uh, you know, four of them get dropped. It just seemed like there, there was the plays were there, and it was just not happening. Yeah, it, it, I think it all goes back to, again, to it just being off. And, I mean, the one that stands out to me is I think Waddle skied up to try to make a grab, you know, in the middle of the field. It was a pretty deep throw, and uh, he just couldn't come down with it. And that was probably, honestly, come to think of it, when he got shaken up. So, um, you know, we need to get healthy, right, man? We're sitting here feeling comfortable at 8-4, and four, you know, with all the weapons we have, you know, how this team has looked this season. But we need Teron Armstead to get healthy on that West Coast trip. I guess we got to say the same thing now about Jalen Waddle. So we should find out more today, um, but – we need to get Jalen Waddle back out there because he's one of those explosive playmakers that we need, you know, to step up in this situation. Have we had to uh, discuss anyone's normal walk more than Jalen Waddle? I don't know if it's just his style, but it always seems like he's always just like walking with like a limp. It's just kind of how he goes about it. Uh, because I, I don't know what happened with him because there was a play, man. Tyree kills touchdown. I think that was early in the fourth quarter, uh, 45 yard bomb where Tua kind of just threw it into the open space. Tyreek went and grabbed it. Jalen Waddle sprinted down the field to go catch him. I, I encourage everyone to go look up that clip again. That made me feel a little better about how um, hurt he might not be, hopefully. Uh, but overall, man, you, you think about this connection from Jalen Waddle to Tua going back to college and it just wasn't there on Sunday. Um, and that's just one of those things that leaves you scratching your head but you can be concerned and realize that this is something that hasn't happened before. And another thing, Josh, I just want to touch on it one more time where he mostered seven carries for 30 yards, Jeff Wilson, one carry for three yards. When you have someone like Jalen Waddle going in and out of the lineup, someone who plays that role of, Hey, we're going to extend the run to being a short passing game and get the, the ball to our volume receivers. How on earth are you not getting your running backs more involved and just straight up running it up the middle uh, anywhere really where it's not, 
keeping the ball into his hands for three, four, five straight plays where uh, the offense might be off the field after three incompletions. Yeah, there's really no excuse for that. And I think, you know, at the end of the game, that's kind of probably where Mike McDaniel looked himself in the mirror and, you know, probably regretted it most. I mean, we talked about the 40 minute time of possession. You got to keep your defense off the field a little bit. You got to try to sustain drives and you got to let Jeff Wilson, you know, he talked about how ferocious he was in the run game and how he leaves his lasting impression and gets everyone fired up. One carry man against his ex team. I mean, um, whatever it is, Mike McDaniel's got to reel it back in and try to get this offense to be a little bit more balanced. But let's be honest, when you have those playmakers, when you have Tua doing what he's done for most of the year, Year, you're just going to let him drop back and, and probably cook. Jake, I think we spoke enough about the offense. Let's take a break and talk about that Miami Dolphins defense, who, at least in my opinion, played pretty well in Sunday's loss to the 49ers. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. If you've been listening to the show for some time, there are a couple of themes we like to get on and, and a couple we like to stick to. And one, one we spoke about quite a bit last week, and it just came so true on Sunday, is that Christian Wilkins is an absolute stud. When is the last time you see a defensive tackle build up 12 tackles? He also had a tackle for a loss. I think that brings up his total up to 17 on the year. Uh That was the one compliment the Dolphins kept getting over and over on Sunday is just that front of the defense uh christian wilkins zach sealer had an incredible performance let me see here he had two quarterback hits he was always penetrating inside that uh line there keeping the running backs uh keeping christian mccaffrey even off uh off his game at least at times but there are some players you just can't hold back and josh whether it's debo samuel whether it's brandon Ayuk, whether it's christian mccaffrey it just seemed like Anytime the 49ers were begging one of these guys to make a play, it didn't matter how many times Christian Wilkins got in someone's face. It didn't matter how many times um a Brock Purdy got blown up in the backfield. It just seemed like they always had that one play that was needed to keep a drive going. Yeah, and I heard you praising Christian Wilkins. I kind of joked, you know, give him that new contract while you're on the West Coast, but you could probably say the same thing about Zach Sealer because both of those guys, I mean, they were just menaces. I think uh, Christian Wilkins had what, like 12 tackles in the uh, 12 tackles. Zach Sealer was all over the place, but you're right, Jake. I mean, I don't know if maybe it's just a stat line, but I mean, six catches for 58 yards for Debo Samuel. I mean, you feel pretty good about that, right? Heading into this game. I mean, to me, though, some of the catches he made in, you know, contested, and then there was one where he tiptoed down the sideline, like, I knew Debo Samuel was good. You know, you kind of knew what type of playmaker he was, but there were times in this game where it felt like the Dolphins defense did have a chance to get off the field and he would just step up and make, you know, a catching coverage or, you know, again, tiptoeing down the sideline. And then Christian McCaffrey, I mean, for as good as the run game has been this uh, season, 17 carries, 66 yards. He had that one where he cut back, you know, to daylight. I think that's kind of why those stats got padded. But where we saw him do most of his damage was in the passing game, eight catches for uh, on 10 targets for 80 yards in that touchdown. I said it during the game, man, but how do you even cover him if you're Duke Riley? I have no idea how you can expect Duke Riley or honestly any um, linebacker to cover Christian McCaffrey. So, um, yeah, again, you mentioned Brock Purdy. He was a guy who I joked with you before this, you know, two years ago in fantasy. Some people loved him in dynasty leagues thinking that he could be the next big guy, but he really just went out there, just maintained this game and got those weapons the ball. And um, again, I thought the Dolphins offense played solid. Uh, I think they got off the field, what, only allowed them to convert eight and 19, you know, fourth down. 
or third down. So they got off the field on 11 of those, but um, it just wasn't enough. And I, I hope they can bounce back from this because um, again, we're going to need it going against Herbert and the chargers, right? There's been a lot of talk about the front seven, Josh. Let's talk about the secondary for a quick second. Xavier Howard had two passes. Uh, he broke up two passes, I should say, and he had an interception. Uh, the interception came on a fourth down, and I could care less about losing 20 yards. I mean, you have instincts when you're a defender on the football field. If you see a ball coming your way in that situation, I think your instant reaction is to catch it, not drop it. But um, generally speaking, man, does this secondary have you wanting more? Obviously, you know, you lose Brandon Jones. You haven't had Byron Jones. Those things hurt. But I, but I feel like Xavier Howard, he had the interception, but I, I feel like, you know, he didn't really have those big hits that I expected on Debo, maybe kind of making him making some of those catches look a little harder than they did. And then another thing, man, I don't want to sound like a hater, but how have you felt about Javon Holland this season? Do you, do you think he's having a good year? I don't know if it, I'd say it was a good year compared to, you know, what we've been accustomed to. I think we all kind of thought he was going to, you know, hit that superstar status this off season or this season. And I think, you know, when Brandon Jones went down, I mean, his role probably, you know, increased, got a heavier workload, whatever it may be. But um, if you're trying to say that Javon Holland maybe hasn't, you know, been the superstar that we thought, I mean, I think that would absolutely be something honest to say, but again, Jake, who knows how much losing a Byron Jones, you know, from the beginning of the season, Brandon Jones, we know how big of an impact he made, but um, again, man, you definitely want to see that secondary step up even Darth Cater at times um you know was giving up plays and pass coverage so um you, we need it again I'm going to keep saying it but you need Josh Boyer's defense you need that secondary to play better and um I don't know about you Jake but I think when you look at the linebackers in this game I mean a lot of us you can look at their contracts I think a lot of them are done after this year but that entire room needs to be completely revamped because when you go against a team like the 49ers they were just completely exposed in the middle of the field Exposing the linebackers wherever they had to be, right? You think about um Christian McCaffrey's touchdown catch. I think that was uh I think that was in the second half. Uh that was another one, man. He was just wide open. You had two uh receivers on the left side, they just kind of cleaned out the two defenders and bam, wide open. It does seem like that linebacker room, it there's there's something about whether it's the scheme or just going against what uh running backs will do against that scheme that they just can't seem to figure out. We've seen some bright spots at a Duke Riley. I think Jerome Baker actually had a solid game, but but this team really for I man, I can't even I couldn't even tell you the last time, but they are missing that just glue guy at linebacker who just kind of keeps the entire unit uh focused on the same target because that, that just wasn't the case on Sunday. No, and I'm glad you brought up Jerome Baker because, I mean, again, I didn't go back and rewatch this game. I'll probably, uh, this is pouty. I'll probably wait till the All-22 releases tomorrow, but it looked like he was coming off the edge a little bit more, blitzing the quarterback a little bit more. And again, uh, that's one of the things I think, you know, they haven't really used him enough in that aspect, but we definitely need a linebacker, Jake. And I mean, I hope Channing Tindall can maybe eventually be that player, you know, maybe this offseason, maybe he becomes that presence in the middle of the field, but Overall, again, I think we have to sit here and, again, give credit to the San Francisco 49ers because that is a very talented, very talented offense despite, you know, losing Jimmy G early on. You lose Jimmy G the first drive of the game, Josh. We've been recording for 20 minutes, and this is the first time we mention it. And I think this is where some people discredit even Tua, right? You look at that Shanahan offense. Uh, what Brock Purdy did wasn't wasn't the most hard thing in the world, but it definitely wasn't easy. It Looks a lot more simple, though, when you have George Kittle, who he might only have three receptions in a game, but all three are going to certainly mean something, right? You look at the Debo Samuel, right, 60 yards. Every single one of those yards was important. And I love watching that San Francisco offense, man, because it just seems like they have a scheme where it it isn't important what scheme you're playing against. It's important what players you're playing against. I think that's why you see someone like Christian Wilkins have an absolute 
awesome day because he can win those one-on-one matchups. But on those couple plays, he can't just because you're out there for 70 plays. And I think they say a, a good win rate for a defender against a lineman is like 20, 25%. That just kind of speaks volumes to how good Wilkins was. But you also see where you can have an offense where you just have the guys doing their jobs. And all of a sudden, all you need is one Christian uh, Christian McCaffrey step the other way. And boom, you have a big play open up. So to me, man, you see how fun the San Francisco offense is. And you also see, I don't think this is the same uh, offense that Mike McDaniel is running. You saw two guys doing two different things. And I want to ask you, Josh, did this look like a mirror match? Because I really don't think so. And do you see that as a bad or a good thing? Yeah, I don't think it was a mirrored match. And I think we talked about it a little bit on the previous podcast. You know, these guys are both, um, you know, building their system around their skill players. So, I mean, again, we talk about, I'm sitting here gushing over what they have on the, their offensive side of the football. But, I mean, when you compare it to the speed on the Dolphins side, I mean, you're going to see two different offenses. But uh, to the point, I, I would love for them to be able to at least establish that run game, right, Jake? And uh, you go back to the systems, and that was kind of one of the things we joked about when they first brought in Mike McDaniel, how, you know, C.J. Bathard, I think I said that, right? Um, Nick Mullins, you know, some of those guys that have actually won games in that system. So we saw it again with Brock Purdy that, you know, maybe – it is a system quarterback type thing, you know, where you can just kind of plug and play, but um, I don't think it's the case. And I think, you know, um, you definitely saw each of these coaches put their imprint on this one. And before we wrap it up, Jake, we got at least, um, I at least want to give credit to the pass rush a little bit. We talked about Wilkins, Zach Sealer, but you see Bradley Chubb all over the field. I think Andrew Van Ginkle was making plays. Jalen Phillips looks like a monster. There are times when they drop back in coverage on third down. That makes me want to lose my freaking mind. But, um, you know, if we can just find a way to get healthy in that secondary, find a way to bring in that impact linebacker. I mean, everybody wants Josh Boyer's head, but I think when you look at what they had to deal with, how long they were out in the field, I think it was more the offense is losing of this game than it might have been on the defense. Bradley Chubb had two quarterback hits, same with Zach Sealer. Jalen Phillips, three quarterback hits. Um, as a total, this team had five tackles for a loss. So, Josh, you're in the camp of, of not calling for Josh Boyer's head. Would you say that that you're kind of content? Because I think you just kind of made the point for me in the sense of there were plays where both Bradley Chubb and Jalen Phillips were in coverage. I don't think I necessarily got them, saw them got torched or picked on at all. So so is that a bad thing? Because I, I don't think it was necessarily that they were being taken advantage of. I think they might have even helped confuse Purdy a little bit. And it just happened to be that, hey, they took advantage of other mismatches elsewhere. I think it's a little bit of both. And I think I can absolutely understand why people want Josh Boyer's head. I mean, Purdy did complete, what, 25, 37 passes, 210 yards, two touchdowns. So, I mean, that's a pretty good statistical game. But at the same time, Jake, I see people using Tua's stats and how that's like the second best performance against the 49ers defense, you know, as a way to pad that. So um, I'm not soured on Josh Boyer right now. I mean, I don't know that I would have kept him around, you know, made Mike McDaniel, you know, inherit a defense coordinator. So they might end up parting ways at the end of this season. But um, it's just funny because a few weeks ago, people were saying, you know, oh, no, Josh Boyer is going to be a head coaching candidate. And now everyone's, <laughs> you know, putting his head on a spike. So um, he definitely needs to be better, though. And I think that goes for for, you know, Mike McDaniel and the entire uh, team as well. Yeah, to me, it just boils down to those uh, those blitz plays. They got to be a little more creative, right? Because it seems like at least the last uh, month, month and a half or so, when the Dolphins, you know, the, the goal when you line up eight guys on that off uh, the line like that is to what, confuse the opposing quarterback. I haven't seen that confusion. I haven't seen those plays really turn into interceptions. Obviously, you get some fumbles, strip sacks out of those. Uh, but, man, it seemed like any time the Dolphins were bringing pressure, Brock Purdy knew exactly where to look or at least exactly where to throw it and give their guys a shot. And and to me, that's more of an issue than the fact is they're sending seven, eight guys out of blitz. It's they know where 
the guys aren't going to be when a blitz comes. Yeah, again, maybe it's all personnel. You know, you don't have a Brandon Jones out there. You don't have some of those other pieces where you can run that, you know, cover zero that, you know, we've heard so much about. Um, But, Jake, I am going to pull up this quote as we wrap this up. Mike McDaniel told the team after the game that they don't have to worry in the least. I'll get better from the things that I know I could have done better, and that's what I'm expecting from the players as well. So uh, we keep hearing how important this West Coast trip is for the players and their relationships together. Let's see how important it is to the Dolphins as, you know, they try to bounce back Sunday night football, man, against the Chargers after, you know, what I can imagine is a disappointing loss we can all see that two left a little bit on the table and we know mike mcdaniel wasn't content so um i honestly think you know i think their percentage what was it like the playoff percentage dropped like three percent was it like 90 percent chance down to like 87 with this loss so um it's how they respond and what they do in these next two weeks that truly matter but um i think we're all a little bit disappointed and wish we would have saw the same two that we saw in the previous weeks and you could even see it near the end of the game. I, it's like he even knew where that camera was going to be looking at him. He had his head or his hat down, just like deflecting that perfectly. And that that's kind of where we're at. I mean, the loss stings. The way they lost is as ugly as all hell. It's gross. I mean, 0 for 7 on third down sounds bananas when, you know, two months ago we were calling third down a party trick for Mike McDaniel. But that's the thing, man. It's not always going to be easy. There are going to be these games where there's those three penalties that derail your three chances to score, especially against a solid defense. But I'm not discouraged discouraged about this offense. I mean, if you play the 49ers 10 times, I don't think that result happens more than three. I don't necessarily mean just losing. I just mean the offense looking like that bad, that out of sync. And, and to me, I think that just shores up like, hey, this entire spotlight's going to be on you next week. I would be absolutely horrified to go into Buffalo losing two straight. So, Josh, this is going to be the first time I think I'm saying this all year, but I mean, Sunday night, baby, I'm going to go ahead and say it. It's a must win. Yeah, Jake, I think if I feel this way next week at this time, it might be time to start drinking bleach. But for now, I mean, there's no reason to think this offense can't get better, that this defense can't buckle down, and that they can't go up there and beat Justin Herbert and that Los Angeles Chargers game in what's going to be, like you mentioned, a must-win playoff-type game. But we made it. When I was growing up, my mom, she would always, when I was getting medicine, I hated the taste of that great medicine. We had these big, big speakers next to our TV where she would sit me up on and either fall off and die or just take your medicine. So this was it. We set up on the speaker. We took our medicine and we're moving on. We are on to the Chargers. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you everyone for joining us. Even after such an ugly loss, it's a little better being able to vent with it to you guys. Please, please, please reach out to us. If you have any thoughts about the game, if there's anything you want us to discuss that we are complete missing, be sure to tweet at H-O-U-T-Z for Houts. Also follow him on YouTube. He certainly deserves that. You can find me at jmendel94. For Finsider Radio, this has been the Jake and Josh Show. Thank you so much for listening to us. We are very much looking forward to F Justin Herbert week, but we'll talk more about that on Wednesday. And until then, fins up. Fins up. F Justin Herbert, one of the Chargers. That was Finsider Radio, part of the Finsider.com and the SB Nation Network. Miami has the Dolphins, the greatest football team. We take the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. We're in the air, we're on the ground, we're always in control. And when you say Miami, you're talking Super Bowl, because we're the Miami Dolphins.